0: Once Where are we from? Life is rooted in Death Republic. Where are we going? Our seat returns to Less Republic. These cheery sentiments. These cheery sentiments
1: should inspire. Okay, so welcome back to the third programme in the Great Matters podcast series. I really hope you've been enjoying them so far today. We're looking at again at Lanark and Memory, and I'm delighted to be joined today by the Douglas Erskine. Douglas is a researcher and writer with a great interest in Scottish art. At the moment he's particularly interested in post-war painting in the west of Scotland and he is currently preparing the first critical monograph dedicated to exploring the life and work of Alastair Gray's great friend, Alan Fletcher, who was alive from 1930 to 1958. So, um, Douglas, lovely to see you. Thanks for joining me here today.
0: Hello, it's a pleasure, Sorcha.
1: Great. Maybe if we can kick off, because obviously the framing of these series of podcasts is Lanark, so if we could maybe start off by looking at Lanark and you describing the memory of Alan Fletcher and how that appears within the novel, please.
0: Well, yeah, that's fine. Um, In Lanark, Alan Fletcher appears as the character of Aitken Drummond, an art student, and Alistair writes of Drummond, he was over six feet tall, and usually wore green tram conductor's trousers, a red muffler, and an army greatcoat. His dark skin, great arched nose, small glittering eyes, curling black hair, and pointed beard were so like the popular notion of the devil that on first sight everyone felt they'd known him intimately for years. So Alistair degree is of course describing Alan Fletcher, who was about six foot three, strikingly handsome with a thick glossy mane of black hair and a really spectacular nose. He was, Alistair was fond of comparing Al- Alan Fletcher to the devil, to Pan, to Mephistopheles, the demon from the Faust legend. And Delacroix created so many images of Mephistopheles and it's, you know, it's, it's almost uncanny. You know, Alan Fletcher is the spit of this, this demon. Um, Alistair said that Alan Fletcher was, or sorry, Aitken, Drummond, was quite a faithful version of Alan Fletcher. And many of the details and the passages which feature Fletcher, sorry, which feature Drummond in Lanark are lifted directly from Alistair's own experiences. Uh, so there are certain passages which are half true, there are others which are totally rooted in actuality. And at one point in the book, Drummond emotes to Thaw an art school ball and they bond over their troubles with women. This was something that in reality, Alistair Gray and Alan Fletcher really did bond over their troubles with women. And that whole section in Lanark, there's a long conversation and it's expressed in Lanark almost exactly as it's recorded in Alistair's diaries. There's something Alan Fletcher says, I haven't got the quote to hand, but he says something like, women, they're positively villainous, Alistair, something goes on, but that was something that was it's really quite striking upon reading that and another thing that's quite striking is the well Fletcher's sense of humor which was another thing that bound Alistair and Alan Fletcher together so it's expressed brilliantly in Lanark as it is in Alistair's diaries so it's rooted totally in actuality and there's quite a nice passage at one point in the Thor narrative talking again about women Drummond says to Thor You'll be happier with women when you're better known. Prestige makes a lot of them randy. Janet Weir used to go around with the president of the Students' Representative Council. But when Jimmy Macbeth grew famous for drinking himself to death, she kept kept company with him for a day or two. Then the film Cyrano de Bergerac popularised Long Noses and she turned to me. A lot of girls like me because I'm supposed to be a symbol of something. It's humiliating in some ways, but lucky in others. What do you think of Janet? I don't know her. She looks like the Mona Lisa, but has nicer legs. I thought that was quite funny. But you know, as well as expressing some of Alan Fletcher's most endearing qualities in Lanark, and the sheer brilliance of the man, Alistair further hones or further further honours the truth of his own experiences by suggesting, through the character of Drummond, that this man, Alan Fletcher, his character was as Alistair put it in his diaries, not wholly on the side of the angels. Mm-hmm. Um, reading through the Drummond passages, we get the impression, well, we get a real sense of Alan Fletcher's, well, how would you say it? Infectious sort of intoxicating energy, his enthusiasm, his reckless gaiety, as Alistair called it. But we find little, little in the way of reflection, really as we find in Alistair's diaries or in 1982, Janine, Alan Fletcher appears as the character, Alan, in 1982, Janine, a technical student and a close friend of the protagonist, Jock Cleish. And Alan Fletcher also appears, well, a version of Fletcher also appears in The Fall of Kelvin Walker. And he is there, the London artist, Jake Whittington. Um, but in Lanark, we might get the impression that Thaw is somewhat seduced by Alan Fletcher's charisma and is willing to turn a blind eye to some of the warning signs that appear now and again in the book. Mm. Again, there's a point when they go into the art school for an art school ball, and I think I've got the quote here. The janitor says to Thaw, beware that lad, when drunk he's fit company for neither man nor brute. And later in the narrative, we find Aitken Drummond kicks his girlfriend, Janet Weir, in the face. And yet somehow this doesn't merit any real reflection Mm. on Drummond's character from thought. I mean why is he friends with this man? Mm. Um, And although he might not be a major character in the book, but we find quite clearly that Drummond can be, well, charismatic, affable, funny, sincere, depressive, um, bitter and even violent Mm. and yet Thaw makes no attempt to reconcile these different characteristics to seriously consider his relationship with this man and I think in reality Alistair felt often that he was at something of a loss to explain Alan Fletcher back to himself. He was at a loss to explain the tension which hid underneath this incredibly charismatic persona and I suspect that sometimes he was overwhelmed by Alan Fletcher's charisma. Mm-hmm. So in Lanark, Alistair does a very great deal to bring into focus, to bring to life Alan Fletcher's character and some of the, in outlining the facts of his behaviour and of his character. The details offered are often quite revealing but I do think that sometimes there are, well, there are always lots of details and always lots of I think Alistair presents more questions than he actually answers and perhaps more questions than he's actually able to answer in Lannock about Alan Fletcher's character.
1: Mm. Yeah, Um, that's interesting because you're obviously talking about how he's depicted him within the novel but for you as a researcher and what you're doing in terms of writing about Alan you're obviously reading that against diaries and other entries and trying to piece together the persona and the real person which was Alan which makes me think like why? because obviously Alan I mean we'll get on to that in in a few minutes but you know obviously he died tragically young but he continued to um to um to be of real importance to Alistair not just obviously at art school but throughout his life you know he obviously wrote about him as you have um so ably sort of described, not just in Lanark, but within other books, he, he's, he drew him, you know, the a life in pictures, the visual biography he created, he dedicated a chapter to his work. He was someone who still, even though he died so young, was very vivid within Alistair's life. And what, what was it about him that you felt um, held such a, an appeal?
0: Well, Alice, Alan Fletcher to Alistair was the true artist. I mean, he was, well, Alan Fletcher, his work, at that time, in the 1950s, went very far beyond student standards. And in fact, it was singularly unlike anything being produced in Scotland at that time. Although one might discern links with Joan Erdling, for example, who was perhaps Alan Fletcher's closest Scottish contemporary in very loose stylistic terms, and even with the work of Pat Duthwaite. I mean, Pat Duthwaite had her first solo show in 1958, the year of Alan Fletcher's death. Um, Fletcher had exhibited widely throughout the 1950s, unlike Alistair. I mean, Fletcher exhibited in Glasgow, Edinburgh, London, Moscow, New York, even. And I think this truly impressed Alistair. Um, I mean, over and above that, I think Alistair greatly admired his gift for invention, his consummate dedication to his work, his very unusual awareness of the currents in modernism, although Alistair might not have been so aware of that himself, he undoubtedly admired that, and Alan Fletcher's great sense of ambition too, Mm. that undoubtedly affected Alistair a very great deal. There was no question in Alan Fletcher's mind or in the mind of anybody else that Fletcher would one day teach, that he would one day become an art teacher, like the vast majority of his contemporaries at art school who hoped to continue to practice their trades after graduation. So in short, on one hand, Alan Fletcher represented to Alistair Gray the Bohemian artist of legend, as he put it. I mean, he was the whole artist, the true artist. Um, and in another sense, although I suspect that Alistair might struggled, might have struggled sometimes to fully understand Alan Fletcher's character, his personality undoubtedly made a huge impact on Alistair. And it's not simply a case of Alistair being seduced by his charm or magnetism. And I think rather quite conversely, Alistair was able to hone in. Alistair was so perceptive, of course, that he was able to hone in on certain characteristics which others missed. Um, he wrote in a letter to a friend once, casual acquaintances, I believe, will remember him, Fletcher, all of their lives. And in my experience of meeting people throughout this project, who knew Fletcher, even only, you know, in passing, that's proved to be very, very true. I mean, he was a truly unforgettable character. And Alistair goes on to explain why we need a portrait and at least five chapters of Thaw. Thaw was, of course, Alistair's working title for Lanark. And so it's very difficult to sum up Alistair Gray's estimation Mm -hmm. of Alan Fletcher and of his character, because he saw so much in him. Although he might not fully understand the whole understood the whole package, he saw so much in this band. Um, and I think that, well, there were so many points that are worth mentioning. I mean, Alistair was very perceptive. Alan Fletcher was undoubtedly very perceptive as well. And that perceptiveness in Fletcher was something which Alistair admired greatly. It seemed that Fletcher was able to really open Alistair's eyes everything. I mean, Fletcher had this enormous generosity of spirit that he was eager to share everything with his friends, so you know, when it came to Alistair, he was all too eager to open his eyes to, well, every any anything and everything, I think. That's the impression I get. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his, I mean, over and above that, Alan Fletcher's confidence and his ambition mm-hmm. suggested to Alistair the possibilities of a creative life and of a life lived creatively in the broadest sense. And that was incredibly important to Alistair. It was the ambition that Alan Fletcher represented was crucial to him, I think. And further, Alan Fletcher was a man who demanded total freedom in art as in life. And to him, rules seemed not to apply and to a small group, of young people, young ambitious folk in the 1950s in Glasgow to folk like that with big ideas Mm. in a decade as cramped and as dark and as pessimistic as the 1950s, I think the the freedom which Fletcher represented really can't be understated. Um, So he was in short, Fletcher was a really unforgettable character and Alistair Gray expressed as much in 1982 Janine and he wrote, let's see, Any woman he looked at felt beautiful, any man he talked to felt interesting. Only the envious disliked him and his mere appearance gave confidence to the rest." And although Alistair Gray admitted that he was not Alan Fletcher's very best friend, he expected Fletcher to go on to do very great things. And in fact, I have a very clear sense that Fletcher also expected Alistair to go on to do very great things indeed. Mm
1: Yeah, I and mean, there's quite a lot in what you said there, particularly when I think about Alistair, this idea of like, the generosity, which obviously, um, from your research into Alan, how much he, you know, they didn't push forward singularly, they brought other people around in that community, which obviously Alistair continued to um, champion, even, even posthumously with, with Alan. Um, can, wait, so can you tell us a little bit about when they were first aware of each other, were they studying at the same time, can you give a little bit of more context to kind of art school days, I guess, and when they might have maybe first, their circles first might have collided?
0: Yes, well I can't actually tell you when they first met, I don't think Alistair could actually remember, um, although it's undoubtedly recorded somewhere in one of these archives which I've not been able to get into yet, which has been one of the frustrations. Uh, For me, you know, the the pandemic frustrated my research greatly, but Alistair first came across Alan Fletcher and his work in the Assembly Hall of the Glasgow School of Art during a group crit. Excuse me. And, I mean, these group crits, these monthly compositions which every student had to produce, usually pretty banal pictures of some size, were hung around the Assembly Hall, and a teacher, I, don't, I think Willie Bone did a few crits or Douglas Percy Bliss would come in and do a crit. And um, I think it was, you know, a pretty cringy sort of thing for a lot of students. Alistair Gray, I think, found it that way sometimes. And the students would be led around all of these pictures and the teacher would, you know, critique them. Mm-hmm. And it was in this space that Alan, Alistair Gray first came across Alan Fletcher's work because Fletcher's work, well, Fletcher, studied sculpture modeling at the art school, but he did painting as an outside course, as a craft in his third and fourth year. And of course, Alistair was a few years behind him. And so when Alistair was working towards the general course in the first two years, he came into contact with Fletcher at this big sort of, well, monthly event. And Fletcher's work, I don't know which work it was, but it was singled out for criticism by one of the teachers because he was working, I mean, Alan Fletcher was totally at odds with the teachers and their styles. I mean, he, was, he got on very well with a lot of them, but he was, I mean, his, his mode of working, his approach, his style, everything seemed to be totally, you know, diametrically opposed to what his teachers were suggesting he do, or often insisting he do. And Alistair was the same. So Alistair immediately was drawn to Alan Fletcher, was drawn to the work. Because Alistair's work itself was, of course, uh, not the sort of thing students were supposed to be doing, really. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's about as far as it goes. I'm not actually sure when they first met, but that's when Alistair first became aware of Fletcher. Anyway,
1: where obviously he was not necessarily well in terms of the art school and outsider in terms of someone pushing boundaries um, and not afraid um, to, I guess, defend yeah. his position, which you can see the appeal. Um, and also, I guess, him being older too, and the sort of admiration from what you've said, he had an aura around him as well, which seems to be mm-hmm. quite magnetic as also. Yeah, yeah. Um. Obviously, I mean, Alistair has spoken a lot, but could you maybe, for people who don't know about um, Alan and how he how he died, uh, kind of tell a little bit more about that? Because obviously that had a, a huge effect on, on Alistair, uh, not just at the time, but kind of mm-hmm. moving forward, the kind of ripples of that event.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. Um, Well, Alan Fletcher was awarded a traveling scholarship by the Glasgow School of Art, which took him on a trip around Europe in the summer of 1958, and he took this trip with his best friend, Douglas Abercrombie. Alistair had also been awarded a traveling scholarship in 1957, which took him to Gibraltar. And Alistair Gray's last memory of Fletcher was seeing him off in Central Station, some three weeks before his death in Milan, uh, it was on the first of August, 1958. Perhaps around midnight. Sorry, Alan Fletcher stepped over a low wall in the yard of a students' hostel in Milan, which, although it was only, you know, a couple of foot high on one side, it had a 22 foot drop, and it was dark. Alan Fletcher was alone and had probably been drinking, and in all likelihood it seems that he just vaulted the wall, oblivious to the drop on the other side, and he died of a fractured skull instantly, apparently, and was 28 years old. Douglas Abercrombie, who was with him that night, earlier on, uh, saw Fletcher's body when it was recovered the following evening, and he said he was totally shattered. Of course, he lost his best friend, in an accident which was truly grotesque, Mm. Alan Fletcher made no no secret of his terrible fear of accidents, of his fear of falling to his death. Mm. And Alistair Gray really brilliantly captures that in 1982, Janine. There's a great passage in there which is terribly revealing about Alan Fletcher's fear of heights. Mm. Um, Most of Alan Fletcher's friends Heard about his death in the newspaper. It was printed on the front cover of, I think it was the Glasgow edition of the Daily Express in, well, it was the 2nd of August, it was printed there, 1958. Carol Gibbons, who had shared a very intimate relationship with Alan Fletcher for some years prior to his death, she was heartbroken. Fletcher's parents, Archie and Mary Fletcher, were. They never quite got over the death of their only son, and according to the family, Alan Fletcher's half-sister Doris was devastated to the point of collapse. Um, It caused something of a sensation at the art school at the time. The artist and playwright John Byrne, according to John, when he started at the art school about a month and a half after Fletcher's death, all anybody could talk about was this death, you know, death of Alan Fletcher, because he was even to people who hadn't known him personally this was a man who was destined to become a really great figure in the arts. Um, Alistair Gray was in Glasgow when he heard the news and it ushered in for him a period of very serious depression. The, I mean his bleak state of mind is evident so much in the work that he produced in the period, I mean in short stories like The Answer and in, oh I'm trying to think now, poems like Cowardly and he also wrote another poem about Alan Fletcher called Lamenting Alan Fletcher, which I'll read out now, and he dedicated this to his friend's memory. He wrote, he will not occur much to us again, unless in a thin way thoughts occur, who was wild and solid and broke doors in, and had toys and women his hands knew how to touch. Now what we love in him deprives us of him. Jokes, height, fox grin, great irony and nose, Will not occur much to us again. They've been put in a box to rot. Night air took the heat from his brain as he lay with a cracked head under a wall. Metal and stone stay shapeless because he is dead. His toys rust, his woman mate elsewhere. He will not occur much to us again. So Alistair Gray's admiration for Fletcher, as well as the bitterness and desolation he felt upon his death, is immediately clear here. Um, in Lanark, Aitken Drummond or Alan Fletcher does not die, but Alan, in 1982 Janine, does. And we get a clear sense of the despair which Alistair Gray felt in the late 1950s and thereafter, uh, through the character of Jock Macleish, the protagonist of 1982 Janine. And Alistair writes through Jock Macleish, he says, with his death, the ceiling and walls of my shrunk universe narrowed even further. Without Alan, I saw that my dreams of becoming some sort of inventive pioneer for just fantasies. And I think that although it's dangerous to assume that Alistair Gray is constantly speaking through his characters, for me, there's absolutely no question that these sentiments were very sincere indeed. Alistair was really demolished by Alan Fletcher's death. And when we consider the man that Alan Fletcher was, and when we consider Alistair Gray's relationship with them, there's no wonder. I mean, this was a this is a huge thing for Alistair. so he was really, really shattered, of course.
1: Yeah, and that kind of lack of potential. You think now, if he was mm-hmm. to have survived, what what would have been in the world that Alan would have created? Right? It's um, yeah, that oh. sort of lack of potential fulfilled, which um, Alastair yeah. always talk about that. But he was the re- as you said, he was the real deal. He was seen. Um, And admired by many as being an authentic, an authentic and unique voice. Um, Yes, indeed. Devastating on so many levels. Um, And I know also Alistair, you know, speaks about that in terms of like stories and pictures being a way of keeping the people that he knew and cared about alive. And obviously, um, you know, constantly referring or drawing or writing about Alan was one way of doing that. Um, It's maybe worth noting for people who um, have got copies or haven't got copies of Lanark. that Alan appears on the, the front cover of the of all editions of, of Lanark, uh, which has a sort of title page. You can see um, Douglas did a great um, description of him earlier, the sort of jovial sort of um, character with a pointy beard and the sort of twinkle in his eye. And there's obviously other works that I found now within the archives that not only um, Alistair's drawings of Alan, but some original works by Alan too, that we're hoping once it's safe to do so that people will be able to come in um, and find out more as well. But obviously the work that you're doing, um, Douglas, can you tell us a little bit more about um, the monograph that you mentioned that you're working on? Um, obviously restrictions haven't helped that process, but we're <laughs> we yeah. of that and yeah.
0: Yes, they haven't been too good to me, but I have been working on it for a long while. <laughs> um, you mentioned there, you spoke about Alan Fletcher's death and the, the question of potential unfulfilled. I mean, it's a matter of speculation what he could have done. But, you know, for me, I think the sort of, um, what might say, the legend, the aura of legend surrounding Alan Fletcher and his death, the moment, the events of his death, you know, I, one almost thinks of the, the French artist Henri Gaudier breschka because it's... Breschka's death, you know, it was, it was just... It overshadowed everything else. And it's uh, I think that invites some you know, some questions which aren't so welcome in Fletcher's case. I mean, the question of potential is huge, but the fact is that Alan Fletcher, over the course of, well, maybe four years, five years, certainly two years, the two years previous to his death, he produced work which, well, which I also said, proved him to be a creative genius. Mm -hmm. The work that he produced was just, you know, astonishing really. Um, And when I came across Alan Fletcher's work years ago now in A Life in Pictures, I was astonished that no one had written about Alan Fletcher's work. It's just, you know, Alan Fletcher was a man who was an extraordinary character, who did a great deal, I mean, who had a great effect on Scottish culture through the people he inspired, through Alistair, through Douglas Abercrombie, indeed, through Carol Gibbons, who's another character who has, you know, been shamefully neglected by the arts culture in Scotland because she's a wonderful painter, Carol um so the monograph is still a work in progress i still hope to consult a few more archives but i've done so many interviews with folks some of whom including alistair who are sadly no longer here and so the bank of information i've managed to gather has been i i mean really invaluable and it was crucial to do it now really because without wanting to sound too morbid, the, the fact is that so many of these people who knew Alan Fletcher, who knew him intimately when he was a younger man, certainly, they won't be around for too much longer. And so that, that really moved me to, um, to meet so many of the folk who can help with this sort, of, uh, this sort of research because Alan Fletcher's work, I think it deserves to be properly celebrated and it deserves to endure. I mean, the quality of the work, as I say, that's the start and the end of it. Not so much. Well, Alan Fletcher was so important, but it's not so much about the events of his life, or indeed his death, which again I think can overshadow somewhat the the quality of his work, which is staggering. So, the monograph. I wish I could tell you when it will be out. Hopefully, not too long, but uh, we shall see. I shall keep you in the loop, certainly. I'm um, very
1: fascinating. To what a fascinating read and insight. And as you. I said and I there, that they're not just with Alan but other contemporaries including Carol Gibbons you know there's been yes. um, several of that generation of artists and writers who have been overlooked and it's really important to um, carve out their position within it too and really excited and look forward to, to reading it when, it when it comes out Douglas. Yeah. Good I well, that, well I'm, I'm pleased to yeah, hear
0: that because really I'm really looking forward to showing
1: Important so, work you're doing and yeah, bringing that together. So thank you very yes. much for um what an interesting and um, what an insightful um episode into and for people who maybe weren't. I know as you have mentioned, Alan does appear as various characters throughout Alster's writing and he's depicted him in drawings and a life in pictures is a good um starting point maybe for people who who would like to find out a little bit more. I think indeed some of the mm. images you spoke about and the article that you refer to. Uh, announcing his death are, are contained within that book. So if people for now would like to find out a little bit more, that's maybe a, a good starting point, but also to um, hopefully um, read your publication when it comes out in due course.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, Thank
1: indeed. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I really appreciate it. Thank
0: you. Right. I've always felt that Stories and pictures were a way of keeping people I knew alive and as they were.